1: to another edition of the Stardom Road Podcast. I am your host, as always, Scott Edwards. And of course, we are right here on the Count Out Network. With me, as always, is the one and only Trent Brewer. Trent, how are we on this fine day?
2: I'm doing pretty well. Like, it's kind of funny, like, when we're doing all these podcasts. For whatever reason, I was sitting here as you're doing the intro, and I'm thinking wow we, we've gone like to all of these episodes we've not had to bring in guests we've not had to you know uh change things around too much it's just us two doing what we do each and every fortnight it's kind of cool because you know i've done different podcasts where you're bringing people in and having mm. to shuffle things
1: around not everyone can make it every uh recording so
2: it's kind of cool
1: yeah i mean we'll bring guests eventually i think i think there is a exciting idea to bring in guests maybe mm. that have to do with stardom history or no stardom history, and that will that will be fun. But that's a conversation for another day. That's I I don't need that to do that right now. Uh, I think we have a good plan set up, obviously, and of course today is part two of the mm-hmm. Hana Kimura series. Today will be a lot of positivity and a lot of sadness, of course, mm-hmm. because we are covering Tokyo Cyber Squad, one of the most popular factions in. I, I don't even want to say just joshi history it's in wrestling history for how little they were around in terms of just timing their popularity was on another level in a lot of ways and i think that'll be exciting to talk about um you know we talked about the way Tai journey for hana part one talk tcs today and then next episode as we do with all of these wrestler specific episodes we'll hit some of our some of her most important matches some Mm -hmm. of our favorite matches um as well as kind of looking at her legacy and her, you know, importance to pro wrestling, and of course, Star.
2: That's what we do, and um, you know, it's obviously it's exciting, you know, knowing we're going to dive into a bunch of really good Hanakamura matches. Like some of these matches I've watched fairly recently, some have been quite a while. Uh, but the beautiful thing whenever we do these wrestler-centric episodes is being able to go back into the history books and dive into what, you know, reminding us, especially the, the stuff that we were around for. And obviously for Scott and I, that's a little bit different. But, you know, all these matches, you know, I remember watching live, well, live, watching as they were sort of happening and being able to go back to them and sort of remind myself, ah, yeah, this is why I was so enamored with stardom around this time why i slowly but surely went from new japan as my favorite promotion to stardom being my favorite promotion you know you can chart the progress and yeah
1: a big part of that is because stardom just kept doing really good stuff one of the matches we'll talk about today actually you were at which is pretty cool um Mm -hmm. which we'll get to later i think that's that'll be a fun little uh tidbit to add you know a little special touch that we have Thanks. that no that no one else has you know if they're talking about that match and uh, i'm really excited about this episode today not because of the sad parts but because of the exciting parts because mm. when when i really got into uh joshi and i not, not only into joshi but more in the coverage side of joshi i should say i really dove into um content about hanakamura and I kind of studied a lot of the TCS stuff that she did, and I think her five-star run is truly one of the best ever. And I know we've reached a point where like five-star runs are incredible and unbelievable and so on, but hers is like watching a story from start to finish. Like If you watch, say, Shuri's five-star, which we will do someday, don't you worry, just for personal reasons of wanting to rewatch it, uh, but if you watch Shuri's five-star, it's unbelievable, nonstop great matches. But I don't know if it's necessarily a story other than Shuri's just unbelievably great at professional wrestling, and she is on a, on a mission, right? She was hmm. on a mission. Hmm. With Hana there's a lot of growth in her five-star run in 2019 that I'm really excited to get into. Um, you know, she's she was such a great character worker that we'll get to touch on a lot of that. We'll also touch on... Uh, her of course leaving we'll touch on the stardom draft so mm-hmm. anyone that may have be been following me on twitter and saw me start posting stardom draft things that was on purpose i wasn't just uh watching the draft for fun though i do that once a year so it's not that shocking now you uh, know when we record yeah yeah i kind of just look away. at scott's uh, twitter feed and then add I like it away. anytime i start watching hours. matches or stuff i always give it away yeah. Uh, but it's because I'm like I want everyone to see this. I want everyone That's to see this. That's called
2: foreshadowing and hyping. You're just doing your job. Unlike me, it just goes radio silent and then so like, oh by the way, this got released.
1: <laughs> well, anyways, let's uh let's get into it, huh? I think everyone I think everyone's uh pretty pretty up to date on terms of uh what we're talking about. So now let's mm. actually talk about it, huh? Uh so we talked about last episode and we kinda ended on last episode was the championship match that Hanakamura had against kagetsu Of course, this was a very important match um, in her career. Mm. Now, it's not necessarily like a match to write home about like their previous match was, right? Yeah. Which we will be talking about. Wake, wake, not judge on part f- uh, three of this podcast series. But it's an important match in that it sets her up for the next steps of where we are going and where she's going into uh, Tokyo Cyber Squad. Mm. It's essentially watching, or her watching her time in a way to tie, come to an end in, what's the exact time, 16 minutes and 46 seconds, which, <laughs> what this match was. Uh, do, what were your memories from this match um, in terms of just watching it and, and seeing it unfold, obviously? I mean, I know it wasn't live, but mm. um, I think that's a good place to start.
2: Well, I, I don't want to throw around the term heartbreak too much. Um, <laughs> but because, like, Hannah, Hannah had been away for a couple of months at this point. She'd done her Mexican excursion. Like, we were all really excited to see her come back. Here she is. She's back. It's the Oedo Tai we know and love. You know, she's had this time away. What's she going to do next? What the exciting thing we're going to see from Oedo Tai? And then it's like, oh, okay, we're we're losing that. You know, she's going out on her own and... In hindsight, it makes perfect sense. It works perfectly, um, but it is disappointing because we've grown to love that side of her. And there was that mystery of, well, what's coming next? And the match itself, as you said, wasn't... I, I think it was maybe overhyped a little bit in expectations. I know people were very excited for what it was. Uh, they were shocked it wasn't main eventing, this particular show. Um, the White Belt did. And in hindsight, that was the right call in terms of, yeah not only the quality of the match but also the
1: story that was being told here. Yeah, um, Momo versus it was, folks never shouldn't be the main event just saying. Yeah.
2: But you know it what the, the red belt not main eventing, yeah, it's when it doesn't happen it's always a bit of a shock even though it's not the first time it's happened. Um, but yeah Momo like,
1: Rain you got used to that.
2: <laughs> yeah, Momo <laughs> did main event quite a bit yeah. um, as the white belt champion because she was the future ace at the time. At um, the time. At the time. Uh, yeah, so it was yeah, you know, it was a it was enjoyable enough. Um, the shock of her leaving again, even though you know, we had the spoilers come out beforehand, and then we watched the show afterwards on demand, as most Stardom people understand even today. Uh, but even the big shows, you didn't get yeah. You know, there was no pay per views back then. Um, it was yeah, it was saddening, but a little bit exciting to see what would come next. But Oedo told was so beloved. Like this is the 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 core group that everyone come to know and love so seeing one of the, the big parts of that you know voluntarily leaving in such a way was
1: heartbreaking and you know we'll we'll hit a awaito tai series somewhere down the road obviously oh, and that,
3: mm, that'll be much that's a more big than one. Three,
1: that'll be more than three parts to tell you that right now uh but i think something interesting right about awaito tai as well Hanakamura was such an important part of the Oedo Tai people love. Mm. They still had a very entertaining next year or so, really until Hazuki retired. Um yeah, you know, and then we kind of saw it dwindle down as Kagetsu retired. Um and I think that I think that is interesting to say because then we also got where Hanakamura would go and, and her leaving here was the end of that chapter, right? Mm. That that chapter of Uedotai. They still went on to be entertaining. They still went on to, went on to be what Uedo Tai is still beloved for, but it definitely felt a little a little it was missing something. It was missing that that Hana effect that Hana just gave to really well, so anyone many, she was with.
2: So many core members were leaving around this time. Obviously Hana left. You had Tam Nakano get knocked out of the uh group earlier in that year um, and you had Chris Wolf leave as well. And like those three were like for a long time, they were three of the four or three of the five members of the golden era Oedo tie. You only had Kagetsu and Natsu Samir left from that group. And obviously, Azuki was great in the group now was great and just didn't really work out in Stardom, but played off of those guys well. Um, but it, yeah, it was a different Oedo tie after this.
1: Uh, now moving on from the away to period for Hana Kimura, not and you know mostly because we did an entire episode on it hmm. um the next steps were more I won't say an awkward phase but it was a question phase okay what where is Hana going right she wasn't aligned with anyone yet um, uh, but she did start a feud of course with jungle kiona and jan that was an important feud that leads us to tokyo cyber squad but i'm not going to just skip to tokyo cyber squad just yet we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta talk a little bit about that and i think you know this was the step of okay we're gonna get rid of the jan we're gonna get rid of jungle Soul army and we're gonna uh not nope salt nation i just <laughs> I, I have army in my head job ja. sure. i yeah I, I say jan and then i say that yeah you get my point point. and you're gonna replace that with tokyo cyber squad and this this rivalry while it wasn't like you know because hana was doing things here there and everywhere she was teaming with like bobby tyler and yeah. rebel kell and she wasn't teaming with like <laughs> you know no offense superstars um it was it was kind of the embodiment of what tcs was going to be in a lot of ways before tcs was a thing little did we know at the time though as this was going on it was going to include jungle kyona and then also eventually konami um do you have fond memories i know you're a jungle kyona fan so maybe her faction ultimately getting deleted um (laughs) wasn't necessarily uh having you jump out of your seat but this this rivalry this feud and where it was headed did you think this is where it was headed at the time well it's tough
2: because like this period for hanakamura is the i guess like it's the awkward teenager phase where you're trying to discover who you are you you, yeah. you know you've got your i guess high school middle school kind of version of our way to tie yeah you've got a group you're together and then you're moving out of the house you're trying to discover yourself and you haven't quite found it yet you haven't found your unique personality you've just entered college or you've entered university and it's like oh the world is my oyster. I'm going to try everything. I'm going to do everything. And so every week, Hannah Kamura would come out with different attire, different hairstyles. Yeah. She, you know, trying to find that personality, which would eventually become Tokyo Cyber Squad. And you can see like different parts of her attire during this period would find itself into that version. But this is very much um, what you would call first draft, second draft stuff that, like, if it was a movie, you wouldn't see. Because right. it's all in the you know the whiteboards and you get rid of the stuff that doesn't work and then you just put the good stuff out. This
1: is her minding <laughs> herself. My best uh, comparison is um, if you ever seen like any Spider-Man movie ever. Mm. <laughs> you always except for the Tom Holland ones, if you see the first one for like the uh, Tobey Maguire one or even the Andrew Garfield one, you know you see the pre-Spider-Man costumes yeah. that they yeah. try out, and I think that's kind of my best comparison. Mm. Um, is like I actually no, I think. Tom, well, I, he didn't have his official costume that that's besides the point yeah because he, um, he got the tiny yeah, Stark yeah, version yeah, in the yeah, first movie pretty yeah. quickly. i always forget it's different Anyways, that's besides the point um but that's kind of what it reminded me of right yeah. it's like it's like she's trying to figure these things out you know she's mm. she's in her room drawing what, what what should i look like trying new things this ah, this this works but this doesn't work and again i think that's kind of what we saw with her wrestling too it's right Mm. right i said she's teaming with she's teaming with all these outsiders she's not teaming Mm. with you know people that are there all the time necessarily it's bobby tyler rebel kell uh goya kong um who else who else who else i'm mary apache yeah yeah apache yeah because of course they teamed in tag league um Mm. which was you know finished up after she had just left the waiter tie she was you know she was she just didn't have any exact faction but of course at the same time we're doing the feud with jan and jungle Kyona specifically uh they also by the way she challenged for the artist's starting titles with goya kong and rebel Kel. if anyone ever feels the need to go watch that could have fun um but i think that's one of the interesting parts also i just want to read this match because it's a wild match hanakamura and bobby tyler Brittany blake and brick baker and be a konami anyways It's very
2: much like this this version of Hanukamura doesn't have a faction, but what she's doing here is very much what Mina Shirakawa is doing with Club Venus in 2023. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. an outlet for the foreign talent to come in and have someone who can basically support them, show them around, give them them a friend that knows enough English to sort of help them live and get through a A very difficult tour when you don't speak the language. That was Hanukamura's job in many ways during this period while she's finding herself it's just it wasn't named really it was just the the international selection like that was yeah. kind of the the quote-unquote name and she was just the Mina Shirakawa um obviously Cobb Venus has more of a focused identity at this stage um, sure. but it's very much a prototype concept
1: I think I think that's a great comparison really and I, I think as we see as we get towards the draft and and the five way which we'll talk about in a second here Um, Hana despite not having The faction And and wrestling with all these Outsiders the international selection You know She was able to find A confidence and she's always been Confident I want to say that she's always been Confident but there was something about Always kind of being the leader Without being the leader in a lot of ways That if you watch any of these Matches you kind of see that there's, there's something about what she was gaining from all this yeah. you know she was more than more often than not on the losing side of things because hmm. again her partners weren't you know the 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 best of the best but at the same time you felt that leadership growing so by the time it was time for hmm. her to get her own group she was ready yeah, this period is
2: not like if you're going to show someone uh Hannah Kimura matches and like this is why people love her, you're not gonna show her anything from this period. Um, because yeah, not only is she finding her look, finding her voice, she is finding her way in the ring as well. You know, she came back, she was wrestling a lot more heelish, a lot more deliberate, um, more aggressive and stuff. But like again, she's just fine tuning everything and like if if we didn't have this, we wouldn't have what would to become um but there was a for a couple of months you were kind of looking at hanakamura at this stage i preferred her before her excursion uh, not knowing Mm. what you would eventually find
1: yeah i think that's the interesting part of it though right it's like Mm. you have those early thoughts and those early doubts and then within a few months that all changes dramatically It's Uh, not that long. It's just with Stardom
2: and Joshi, it moves so quickly that a couple of months can feel like a couple of years.
1: Yeah, so that feud with Jungle, Kiona, and Jan ultimately brings us to the draft decision Mm -hmm. five-way. The draft decision five-way. Obviously, not only will it decide the order of the picks in the upcoming Stardom draft, I believe this was the second Stardom draft? second one, yes. Yes, in 2019. But it will also disband a faction. Mm-hmm. And you may say, well, Hanakamura doesn't have a faction. Well, that was the trick here, folks. Yeah. Um, That's not a bad thing. Like, oh, I'm entering this
2: faction tournament without a faction. If I lose, nothing changes. If if I win, or if I survive even, then I get a group. Like, it's, it's a pretty good swing of things. I, yeah, you know, I, I like it. that idea.
1: I yeah. like thinking back to it, and it would be like if we did it now, which... Just too many factions to do it now, Mm. but if if say if they were to do it now and say Suzu Suzuki, right, perfect option, right? She was like, "I'll be in it. If I lose, oh well, I'll just get drafted, right? Mm. But if not, you know, name whatever faction disbands, and it's something like it's a good way to elevate someone too. It really is. It really is. And by the end of this night, I won't say match, but the night. Things obviously changed dramatically, but I think, I think you kind of got the idea of where we were going and and how special it was. And by then, Hana was, you know, she figured out what she was gonna have yeah. for gear too, which yeah. I feel like is pretty important. Um, so the decision five way went like this. I'll, I'll give everyone the order of picks and elimination. So Iwatani, uh, Mayu Iwatani, of course, she got the first pick by I believe she was eliminated Kigetsu. From uh, the ring. And then it was Momu Watanabe. Who also eliminated Kagetsu. From the ring to get the next pick. Then Kagetsu got the third pick. And it was Hana Kimura, uh Who wrestled uh, wrestled and fought off. With Jungle Kiona in the end. Officially eliminating Jungle Kiona. Um, ending Jan once and for all. Giving Hana Kimura her own faction. A chance to draft. Um, she'd have the final pick. Obviously. Mm. And... This isn't a podcast about Jungle Kiona and Jungle Assault Nation, but still very important, obviously, as it was a very emotional moment, and then they had to go get drafted. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah, after that fight, you know, especially for Jungle, after seeing her group that she put together a year ago because they were rejects, because no one wanted them. You know, she'd worked hard all year to try and make it work, only to then get it disbanded. Very sad things, but that is... The way of life for a Jungle Counter fan.
1: So, at the time, uh, it was Stars, Queen's Quest, the Way to Tie, and International Army. Yeah, there was no name Hannah's. for this
2: group yet. Right. It was just Hanna's Mystery Group.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was the international crew um, that it would ultimately become in a lot of ways. But it, of course, wasn't just the international. Crew. Yeah. Um, but at the time, going into this, as we were talking about, that was kind of Hanna's spot but let's 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 go through the draft results here because it you know let's talk about the draft a little bit um and and we'll focus on hanakamura's picks but as the rounds went on first pick was starlight kid which i think is just funny to think about in retrospect um second pick was azumi third pick was azuki fourth and the first pick for hanakamura was none other than jungle Kyoto. yeah obviously that's where this all takes off. That is where Tokyo cyber squad starts to take place, mm. right? Jungle Kiona, someone that Hana was and you know, very personal with. She's the one that eliminated her in the end. She made Jungle Kiona her first pick and, and jungle jungle had a really good promo when mm. she got into the ring. And she was talking about how, you know, devastated she was that Jan's now gone, you know, a, a group that she created, but she liked Hana's way of life and that's how like within with very quickly you started to kind of feel like oh all right this is you know this because you know if, if something like that happens in such an emotional way you almost like are they going to resist for mm. a while like are they going to be not so connected kind of like when Starlight like, kids switch factions to edo tie for example and then ultimately started to like it over there but right off the bat john was like i like the way of life it does take
2: her and the next pick a little yes.
1: bit of time to truly adopt uh,
2: Hana's way. Like they, they're both that on board. That makes the match is fun
1: to be fair. Yeah,
2: it, they're both on board with her. Yeah. But you like whenever she's introducing stuff for what would become Tokyo Cyber Squad, they're a little bit hesitant. They're kind of looking at her like, "What the hell?" You, you can see that progression from. I respect the way you go about things, but I'm not there
1: yet. Uh, next round, Risa Yoshiki, Utami Hai Shishida, Andras Miyagi. And again, for Tokyo Cyber Squad, another big shock. Mm-hmm. It was Hanakamura selecting Konami, Konami leaving Queen's Quest, and really completing that key trio that made Tokyo Cyber Squad as popular as it was. Um, it's good
2: but, because the next couple of picks, woof.
1: <laughs> this is true. Um, I, I, what I love about this part is like, how, uh, Konami was like, yeah, I don't hate you. So this, this is we fine. wrestled. We're cool. <laughs> and, like,
2: and it's important to mention, too, yeah. she's doing all of this without a microphone. She's doing oh, yeah, all this sitting on the top, like on the ropes. Yeah. Everyone else is sort of getting up. They're doing their thing. And then they sort of step on. Hana doesn't move at all nope. from this spot. She stays there. The further she goes to moving is with Konami is they do a little sort of slap, slap, fist bump, and she has to lean forward to to initiate it. That's that's the amount of movement she does. Half The the time she doesn't need a microphone. It's just this is, and she's there with her mobile phone. She's kind of, after the match, she's trying to fix her hair. Like, you're getting a lot of personality and character work here, even though she's not the focus. You know, she's a quarter of the focus of this draft
1: yeah i'm happy you touched on that now because i've gonna i've hidden those first two picks and then kind of this is where i want to talk about that personality Mm -hmm. and we talked about in the first episode how she could steal the attention of the room and her sitting there on the turnbuckle the entire time Mm -hmm. right it, it, it played to Who she was and how she was the center of attention even when she wasn't always right there were people in the middle of the ring with microphones the entire segment, but it was hard to not pay attention to Hana and my favorite part is her not having a microphone because she's just like yeah I'll, I'll pick that one and it's like stuff like that that is so perfect. And look, it's in.
2: she can keep a first string, so it's a bit easier to do this without a microphone. She's not in the Tokyo Dome. She's not great at carning it. Um, But, like, it's still impressive. Yeah. And the other thing I think that should be mentioned here too is we can talk about, oh, you know, she steals the chance up. At the same time, though, she doesn't take away from the important story within the draft because it's not just about Hana. You've got Mayu being Mayu and having issues with some of her uh, draft selections and the places she picks them you've got uh Kagetsu who honestly is like in many ways the main character of this between oh, yeah. the Izumi pick and then the on running Natsu Samir joke that goes on which that alone makes this draft must watch yes. but like it'd be very easy for someone doing what Hana's doing to mm-hmm. overtake the entire proceeding she doesn't do that, and that's that speaks to a certain level of maturity and recognizing that even if you're getting yourself over, you don't have to be the one and
1: only main character here. Also, good camera work for this attire. yes. I want to point that out because, <clears throat> like, every time it was Hanna's turn to pick, they go to like the one shot, and then when it was everyone else, pretty much because because w- you want to see who Hannah's pointing at mm. and stuff like that, and I always I always liked that aspect of it. Um. The draft would continue. She'd pick Mary Apache. Um <clears throat> excuse me, Natsumi Apache, Rebel Kel. Bobby Tyler, Ruaka, and then this is this is the this is the one I want to focus on, obviously. Yeah. Um, so the draft's over for everyone except for Hana. She wants mm-hmm. to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep adding because. Ruaka, of course, at the time. I how old was she? She would have been 15? fifteen. Yeah, I think yeah. And then Rena was 13. Yeah, yeah. So they're the last two picks that are present. Um, there's one more pick after that we'll get to. But this is where so she picks Ruaka and then oh, Rina, ini, ini, Mani Moe. Yes, Iny Mani Moe, of course. She picks Ruaka. And then Rena's there crying, and Hana says, "Look at the little pink baby." All right, come over here, and and it's it's a beautiful moment, especially now, right? Because we're we're seeing this in real time of of where she's going, and and how Rena is now a key part of Hana Komori's memorial shows. Um, she you know, and she she made humor out of it, but she also made it really classy she says she's like me i'm not an extraordinary person right and i think that's like the beautiful part of this rena you know with tears in her eyes gets in mm-hmm. the ring says Hanasan, i love you and just embraces her and then hana just goes that's awesome and it's like it's one of the purest moments that you'll see not only in the draft but in stardom's history truthfully mm-hmm. and it, it it really gives you the idea of that connection that her and rena would create you know in the next year mm-hmm. um you know i obviously rena has went on to become a part of a tie and really capture that connection following in hana's footsteps in a lot yes. of ways and i think that's the beautiful part of it all um i get a little emotional every time i watch this because it's like ah She's so good at this. Literally, literally. You could tell
2: how much it meant to Rina at the time. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it was emotional there, but seeing everything in hindsight, knowing, yeah, because we didn't really know at this stage how much Hana meant to Rina, even with what she said in the ring. Like, it's only afterwards when you see how she adopts Tokyo Cyber Squad and how she adopts Hana in the aftermath of everything that you really begin to appreciate that this wasn't just a kind of a cute emotional bit. But there's a lot of heart and actual meaning behind this.
1: Um, and then she'd pick Kaori Oniyama, who was not present <laughs> at no. the time. But
2: More or less at the insistence of Jungle by the looks of it, too.
1: Yeah. Jungle was yeah. talking to her, and she's like,
2: I don't like the senpai, but why not?
1: Yeah. And then we'd get uh, Dead son out of that. So obviously, well worth the pick. Um, and then that, that's from there. We, we start to get into the development of Tokyo Cyber Squad. Mm. Like you said earlier, it wasn't right off the bat that, one, all this worked, but, two, they even had a name.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> and I think that's the fun part of it, right? It's like it's 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 almost perfect to Hadakamura in that if you had a name and everything worked per- right off the bat, It wouldn't have made as much sense, right? She has her new faction. She's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, you know, she's still figuring out herself as a wrestler. Mm. Why would she have this down? And as time goes on, obviously, it all starts to connect. And sooner than later, they are Tokyo Cyber Squad. But the growing pains were enjoyable growing pains, you know, especially with Jungle Konami.
2: It was, it was kayfabe growing pains. Like, yes, as a team, they worked really well very quickly. Yes. But it's the little behind-the-scenes stuff and the, the, the uh, post-match comments where it's, yeah, just sort of a little bit of bickering and Jungle obviously having come off the back of being a leader, maybe not fully ready to give up those reins, but also recognising Hana is the leader here. Uh, it, it's a fun little period of them finding themselves. And, yeah, Hana the personality the cult of personality with hana kind of seeping into everyone involved in tokyo cyber squad and how that influences each of their next progressive steps
1: i think that's the most interesting thing about tokyo cyber squad you felt hana with every single one of them Mm -hmm. right she she almost painted herself in some way on each of them even if like some people just say it's by the gear and yeah maybe that's it but they also looked awesome so yeah you know she nailed that one it, it's very it, right if you almost put anyone else in a gas mask with a sword you'd be like with neon collars. you'd be like, hmm, i don't know hmm. about that hmm. but there was just something about tcs and especially hana that just absolutely made that the coolest looking look in pro wrestling yeah. um and i you know this is one of the fondest uh Parts of 2019 because 2019, folks, if you don't know by now, is one of Stardom's most popular years in terms of mm. that's when a lot of fans came in, yeah. um, one for one reason or another. Mm. And a lot of one of the reasons that 2019 was so great were those Artists of Stardom championships, mm. something that we really um, saw a lot of in 2022, right? The Artists of Stardom titles really became prominent in a lot of ways, and that is not a pun because prominence at won the titles at the end of the year, but they became an essential part, and almost every match was must-see. And I think that you can look to 2019, and you can look to Toby, Tokyo Cyber Squad winning them uh as kind of maybe the last time that was really necessary, you know, it, with them and on, because uh Hana jungle konami they were a fantastic trio
2: in in many ways this is kind of it's hard to appreciate why this reign was so special if you're coming at it from 2023 and onwards because like the the artist belt's kind of feeling some measure of importance and having value on the card and being big matches it's something that just kind of happens now but that was very much a luxury at this period a lot of the times the artist belts were just kind of, they felt like they were just thrown on three people. It was a case of, oh, this faction doesn't have a title, we better give them something. And, yeah, just an easy way to kind of give someone a belt. Uh, but with these three, and obviously, like, it cemented Tokyo Cyber Squad and their core three as a dangerous trio. But in many ways, they kind of made these belts feel interesting and important. Yeah, because Tokyo Cyber Squad were taking Stardom by a Storm pretty quickly. And here they were, like the, the main three, all standing there with their championships, making them feel important. They had special gear for the trios runs where they each had specific color schemes. You know, we didn't necessarily see that a lot at the time. Um, yeah, they made these belts feel more important than they were at the time. They made them feel like they kind of feel in 2023.
3: And they only held
1: them for 38 days. Mm. That's that's how impactful the run was, though, Yeah, right? They only held them for just over a month, yet it's one of the fond memories of that year for a lot of people. And, of course, this was the final title that Hanakamura would hold in her career, so obviously a little emotional point there. But um, they had some really good matches they faced. Uh, they beat, So they beat Mayu, Saki, and Tam for them. Uh, they defended them against Kagetsu, I believe, Andras, and was it Natsu? It was Natsu. Of course, it was Natsu. i still me. Um, and then they eventually lose them to Mayu, Saki, and Tam. Uh, but within those matches, you really, I think, saw the potential of where TCS was going to go mm. in a lot of ways. Because maybe the rain was only 38 days. But, like you said, with the matching um, costumes for the belts, which, you know, kind of has become a little more popularized now. Mm. Um, not always, because obviously not everyone changes their gear for it. But we yeah. saw it specifically with uh, Mahime Poi, for example. Mm. Mm. Um, they just they just changed a lot for Stardom as a group. And I'm not just... Mm. They didn't need titles to do it. That's the, that's the exciting part didn't hurt because that kind of propelled them right in a lot of ways they didn't need the long run they just needed the that first initial um push and that was really the initial push for hanakamura yeah i mean this is like obviously we're going to get
2: into the bigger part of 2019 for hanakamura in terms of success but this kind of established her as a leader it established, like, the progression because Konami and Jungle Kiana were both kind of seen in your mid-card, upper mid-card level. Like, they could hang with just about anyone, but you wouldn't expect them to beat, uh, you know, the the upper echelon. Hanakamura was kind of in that same spot. You know, there were a bunch of upper mid-carders just kind of finding themselves. And we would see this progression of Hanakamura from mid, upper mid into that main event level talent through this year leading
1: into what would be the five-star grand prix perfect leading five-star grand prix 2019 you know if you are a stardom fan now and if you become a stardom fan 2021 and on you know the five-star grand prix as maybe the best tournament in professional wrestling um for me it's been that way at least since 2021 i think 2020 kind of played more to what that year was for them overall and it was about yeah, establishing it, some it was a
2: decent five star yeah. but it doesn't have the same depth for right. quality and right. in-ring performance
1: right 2021 obviously will forever be the unbelievable sherry run um still i don't know how it, it was like it, you know if you care about star ratings it was like all the stars every single match she had yeah um and that's that's discounting the other great performances throughout that tournament by countless other individuals um both tam and utami had great runs obviously as the mm-hmm. champions um julia had a great early run before she had to obviously exit which was a big story there um momo had a great run onto the finals so on and so forth you get the point uh um, yeah it was a great tournament then, in twenty twenty two. I mean, what what can can what can we say about the hundred fifty seven match tournament? Uh that hasn't been said already. But back then, obviously, this the tournament wasn't. It wasn't the 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 G one size mindset. I think yeah. is that my best way of saying. it? Obviously, there were. Great matches in the tournament. I'm not saying they weren't great matches, but as we see, especially with the winner here, that was eventually Hanakamura. This was about telling a story from start to finish, and that's not to say Julian Shuri didn't tell their stories. Obviously, we saw Julia tell her story, um, but this was about growing. And you saw, and, and this is this is a uh, tournament that I have study deeply i wrote literally like paragraphs about every single match an article i did once upon a time which i do have up here i'm not going to read every single word but it paragraph one paragraph one uh line one uh, (laughs) but it was the transformation for hanakamura i think from lots of potential to bona fide superstar by the end i think that's how i felt about it she didn't need to win the world title she should have but she didn't need to win the world title to become the bona fide superstar by the end of this tournament by the by the time she won it you felt that i think for her It, it it was a transformation obviously she had the iconic look in this tournament right with the braids mm. and you know the look that julia ended up sporting in in memory and, uh, for those who you know may know what i'm talking about the braids the camo sh- pants the it, it was just like obviously a, a very phenomenal look that everyone remembers but there are every single match in this tournament meant something mm. to her story i don't know if you could say that on every winner of every round robin type tournament right you just but this was very important you know starting with tam nakano ending with konami um before we get into like the match by match uh what do you remember about this tournament
2: i think you've pretty much hit it on the nail the nail on the head with the description of this being a growing tournament when hanakamara entered she was one of the favourites, I think people saw there was a very real chance that they could push her into that spot. Um, but there's still kind of the question marks. Like, yes, the character work was there. She's leading the group. Some questions around pure match quality, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter as much back then as it did, you know, maybe now in terms of your top champion needs to be able to deliver a certain level of match. But Hana wasn't on the level of Mayu or Kigetsu or Momo Watanabe or Riso Shiki. But this was the tournament where she could really begin to start to show that level of ability, to show that she could hang in these big match situations. And just the maturity as a character, every match meant something, but you could see the growth in that wrestling. She started to find new moves. She started to really nail in what Hanukkah the wrestler, on Mm -hmm. a main event level, would look like bell to bell. She'd already found it outside of that, but this was the final piece of the puzzle, I think, for many people, and going, okay, she deserves
1: to be in this spot. Also worth noting, these matches weren't long, hmm. uh, right? We weren't we weren't hitting those near thirty minutes, and ultimately they brought it back to fifteen minutes this past year. But yeah. still, those were pushing fifteen minutes more often than not. Um, so, the, so her tournament started off with Tanaka, like I said, and if you. Watch this match back and this tournament back. You'll see the amount of confidence Hana enters with into this tournament, and it's really tested as the tournament goes on. That confidence, because she starts off with two wins. She beats Tam, mm-hmm. right? She beats Natsu Samire, and, and we'll get to that match in a second. But the Tam one, I love this one because you have on one side someone coming in with all the confidence in the world. And on the other side, Tam's kind of not feeling that way. And, you know, we didn't get to touch on in the draft, which was a funny little moment. But uh, Mayu drafted Tam, and Tam was like, well, I wasn't first, so who cares? Um, And there was a little, and, you know, plays to the long term storytelling of Mayu and Tam ultimately. But she didn't have that confidence. But as we see with Tam Nakano, she gains confidence in matches, and now she's the most confident person in the whole wide world. But that's what I love about this match is that it was one person coming in confident, the other person finding themselves as the match go on. Um, and we and Hana was really to, uh, able to establish the hydrangea in this tournament starting with this match.
2: Yeah and I mean like not only was it important in terms of like establishing the personalities heading in but obviously this has a lot of story beforehand as well yes. because Hana and Tam were very close in Aotearoa Tai when Tam was forced out of Aotearoa Tai Hana kind of went psychotic there's that deep connection that continues on through this match and you see that history there which is one of the great things of the five star grand prix is it allows history to come back in in moments even if there's not active feuds going on and it always kind of lifts up a match but yeah it it just adds to these kind of moments in terms of like the story beforehand and then growing beyond which would be hana's story in the five star and also
1: tam's speaking of history there was the next match the natsu simire match and this one is one of my favorite Natsu matches because you get a serious Natsu Hmm. and you play off that pass that these two had, obviously with the way tie and it's a very physical match. Like I think a lot of people, obviously if you know who Natsu is now, you're not, maybe you're not accustomed to, I think everyone just sees Natsu as a jokester, obviously, that's hmm. and that's uh, understandably so. That's pretty much better than her most popular run was the jokester, but sometimes she turns it up to a gear, and, and that's what Hana was really great at in this match. Um, Natsu just shoves Hana off the top rope, and it was on. Um, it was physical. It was personal. Hana did win in the end, again, with the hydrangea, but... This was the match that I think upped the tempo and ultimately when she won was like the final block for Hana in terms of, oh, this is, this tournament's nothing. All right, I got this and hmm. you get to when that changed, but.
2: Yeah, and I mean, this is the beautiful thing of a Natsu a type character is for as much comedy as there is, when they turn serious, it feels Naturally, it feels more important, much in the same way you take an Orange Cassidy, who is chill, relaxed, doesn't take it seriously. When he does, uh, even if the match is just on a free to, a free TV kind of uh, show, him doing that automatically makes it feel twice as important. And the same thing here with Natsu Samir. She's taking it important, so we automatically do as well. And even though going in, you assume, yeah, look, Hana's winning unless Natsu kind of gets lucky, which can happen in the five-star, but you're assuming, yeah, Hana's probably winning this. But the way Natsu goes about it suddenly makes the match more compelling by itself.
1: 100%. And if, if you felt the need... Who and at this point, I think my favorite part of it is her confidence was beaming after this match, heading into the match number three against Saki Kashima. Saki Kashima, who at the time, mind you, was babyface star Saki Kashima, someone who wasn't necessarily um, as cocky as mm. she is now. Even if she's not, you know, winning every match, there is a cockiness and heelishness to her. Back then, that wasn't the case yet. Hana was pinned in eight seconds. Mm.
2: Yeah, even though the Oedo Tai Saki Kashima we know now isn't here, the revival pin, the it's still there. And that's it's been a gimmick of hers for a long time. And face or heel, it's always worked masterfully. Perfect for these kind of situations. And we get a shock, and a
1: beautiful shock at that. It's one of my favorite tournament shocks because it's quick, it's effective. You, you have Hana going into the match. Beaming and she's leaving it confused, mm. shocked, angry. And the John uh, Moxley uh, off the Toriano kind of uh, exactly, exactly that. Um her next match she beat Avery in pretty handed fashion to kind of get back on track mm. to set up a match with Azumi. Azumi, who then was able to again shock Hanakamura. It's you know, the, the the beauty of this, and this is a really good match if you want to see some early Azumi too. Um she wasn't even meant to be in the tournament. She exactly. was a
2: last-minute replacement, um, and not only was she in very terms, well, for she stars. had a
1: hell of a run.
2: <laughs> well, she was only two points off Hanakamura in the end, and she got the win over
1: her. Yep, which uh, is interesting because right now, now she's down. Now she's at three-two,
3: hmm.
1: and this is my favorite thing. She's going into matches with the ace, Mayu Yutani, and the dominant, unbeatable, or formerly unbeatable, uh, wonder of stardom champion, Momo Watanabe. Obviously, two tall tasks, no doubt about mm. it. And these, if you're looking for her best matches from this tournament, not so shockingly, they come in the form of Mayu Itani and Momo Watanabe. And these matches, I thought this is where you really see her as an in ring competitor connect all those dots because she's doing it against the best obviously but you have to rise up to being that level and i thought these matches and i remember them vividly they were just so good (laughs) yeah this is where you begin to
2: realize like she'd done well in the tournament obviously uh, this was the opportunity for her to go up against someone who could match her at this kind of level because we talk about tam nakana in 2019 she was still very much finding herself Tam Nakano from here wasn't the Tam Nakano we know in 2023. It's a there's a long story of growth there and a very interesting
1: one. Uh, uh, we'll yeah, go down the Tam road eventually, don't you worry. It's
2: a, it's a long road. There's a reason this is Stardom Road. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Mayu and Momo gives her a chance to kind of go move for move with someone who is at that level. You know, If you're having main event matches, title matches, these are the kind of people you're going to face. These are the kind of people you need to be having top star matches with. And that's what she does.
3: Yeah,
1: they're excellent. If you hmm. want, and I looking back, because I, I remember watching this, I don't know if these are even my two favorites of her tournament because the next match after these two um, had another level of personal that obviously these two did. These two are about proving something.
2: Yeah, it's three and four after the next match in Saki Kashima.
1: Yeah, so the Momo one's specifically fantastic because she's able to pull out the big win. Mm. Um, Hana's able to pull out the big win, and give herself a shot at winning this tournament, setting up the match with Hazuki, um, to eventually clinch. And again, we're playing to that history once again with the way to tie, and it's very documented the rivalry that Hazuki and Hana have with one another.
2: Yeah, and they're two like minds in the sense of wrestling style. Neither of them are overly flashy necessarily. Both have just, like, they're called moveset. It makes sense. It's nothing over the top, but they just execute it so well, and they execute it with a certain viciousness that really shines through. And when you've got someone to bounce off of that with, it just it's like and like just kind of combining to, you know, the sum of all parts working particularly well here and it's just explosive exciting a lot of fun and i would recommend watching that match if for no other reason because we may or may not be using that as one of our matches for next fortnight
1: yes yes and, and again because it's a very important one but that brings us to the final against konami and i think it's always unique when you see faction versus faction oh yeah. in any sense and maybe stardom in the, is in the midst of setting something like that up for this upcoming five-star based hmm. off of, you know, recent trends. And I don't know. I'm not going to bring them up just in case I'm wrong. But you never Saida versus Hanan. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh oh, Saida's never touching the five-star final. Uh... <laughs> so she goes against Konami. Konami, was she in the finals of the Cinderella 2 this year? uh of this yeah 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 so yeah konami was a two-time finalist that year yes she had zero wins um but still important and this was a really good way for hana to finish her road to getting the five-star grand prix victory and it really was the establishment of a superstar Mm -hmm. um I remember saying at the end, it wasn't that she was a star, it's that she was the star moving yeah. forward. Um this would set her up for a match with Bia Priestley for yeah, the She was world, the champion. Yes. For the World of Star Championship, and that's kind of where I'm just gonna leave it the trend. <laughs> yeah,
2: look, I was very lucky to be in Tokyo during this time. I got to watch this show live from the second row. Um and it was I, coming into this particular show, I've said this before, not necessarily on this podcast, but um, there were two big matches on this card. It was Hana versus B for the World of Stardom Championship and Arisa Hoshiki versus Kagetsu for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And coming in, I thought, oh, yeah, semi main event. That's what I'm here for. Two of my absolute favorite wrestlers going head to head. They had a great match in the five star Grand Prix. I cannot wait. Hana versus B, eh, like, it'd be cool. Like, if Hana wins, fantastic. But, you know, B Priestley hadn't necessarily proven herself inside of me. She had, but she hadn't. She was still very much a, a work in progress at this point as an in-ring wrestler. These two,
0: I don't know what it was. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Dot com, And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
2: But they just meshed in a way that was unexpected and absolute. Main event shouldn't be, quite, quite unquote, stealing the show. It should just automatically do that. But these two stole the show. Uh, they went hard. They went fast. It just brought out the best of each other it was such an electric atmosphere everyone in the crowd wanted hana kimura to win not in a way that like uh oh, be lost be one and everyone was like oh boo walking away kind of thing but everyone was just so behind Hana and her story take their cyber squad was so red hot at this point that there was just such an electricity in the crowd and Hana being Hana kind of plays off of that she's got that defiant, rebellious personality B bounces off of that pretty well, too. It's a good sort of establishment for her character and what would become her character more in Oedo tie. It was, yeah, this is a match that had no expectations of being this good, went above, beyond, and one of my favourite matches to have seen live, not necessarily best match, but just in terms of atmosphere, yeah. electricity and everything coming together in a surprisingly fun way. Yeah, this is a match that, highlight the if you want to see great Hannah kimura or especially great B Priestley this is one of the first matches I point to
1: yeah I think uh this match plays to being elevated because of a crowd right mm. I think that's really what you what this match was <laughs> yes we could thank you for that you were you were a key part I'm sure you were the loudest one um knowing you and how loud you are obviously Oh yes,
2: I'm, I'm an exuberant Boisterous oh, yeah. fellow
1: But um, Obviously she loses And It's kind of shocking Kind of, sh- And I say it's kind of shocking Because of where They're going, obviously we kind of If you can connect the puzzle And connect the dots, you can kind of mm. figure out Where they were going long term And you'll understand why this was a loss But it was still to get her to that Next level, which it did Yeah um, ultimately, Mayu Butani would be the one to beat Bia Priestley, go on a year plus long reign, one of the most important reigns in mm-hmm. the company's history, mind you. So, can't really say they made the wrong decision there. Uh, but after this, it is interesting time for Hanukkah Hanakamura, the rising star, despite losing the world title match, you know, after, despite winning the, you know, she she's won a the made terrible, woman. She's a made woman. She won the tournament, but she lost the world title match. And mm. Now it's what's next. And then the next new star walks in the door. Literally the... the day that she loses to be Priestley. She yeah. walks through the door. Yeah. Uh, some of you may know her. Uh, she is the one and only Julia, of course, who walked in, you know, not under the best circumstances. It mm. angered a lot of people. Um that being said, she was walking in to, of course, become a star. And who better for her to feud with first than Hana Kimura? And I live by this forever. Without Hana Kimura, Julia does not establish herself the way she does. It's I, yeah, It's the energy that they shared together that brought out the Julia that we see now. i don't think julia reaches this level without
2: it It, it, it's it's tough to imagine julia without this hanakamura rivalry not that it's a particularly long rivalry by any stretch of the imagination but like it's so influential for julia i think finding what she needs to be not that she didn't necessarily know when she came in but what you see with her story with hanakamura You can see through just about every facet of Julia's personality, her in-ring style, the way she carries herself from that moment onwards. And whether she discovers it without Hana how long it takes without Hana it's hard to pick. But we're just lucky that we even got what we did because it's so important to the stardom of 2023 with Julia being one of the most important
1: characters. This is one of my favorite matches of all time. I think just because looking back and how important it was for both of them. Um, and it's part of one of the greatest shows in Star's history, mind you. Mm. This is year in climax 2019, kind of in a lot of ways, the end of an era. And what ultimately would be the end of an era. At the time it was supposed to be the start of an exciting yeah future. Um, but it was more the end of an era, of course. Uh, the the show involved a Konami challenge against Arisa Shiki for the Wonder of Stardom Championship, uh, Mayu Uchida and Kagetsu one on one in a tremendous World of Stardom title match in the main event. But it was before both of those that it was Julia and Hana going head to head, fifteen minute draw at the time, mind you. Julia was on a dominant, you know, establishment at the time, and yeah. Hana, of course was you know still red hot off of that tournament win with tcs again riding high and there was an energy there if you watch this match back and i think this is actually free on youtube i know stardom it's one of the first matches stardom uploaded as the we are stardom uh Mm, mm. grouping and i know the match is in full because i've i've watched both ways on stardom world and through that um but this match is so good and it's so physical i i remember telling people like when I watched it, fine, cause pe- some people have watched it. I think this is probably based off of the feeling towards Julia at the time, but some people kind of just glazed over it and moved on. And maybe that's also because of what was else was on the show mm. too. But I remember like I watched and I remember telling people like this
2: match was amazing.
1: Like everyone, this was like that type of match. Like it just jumped out to me because mm. of their characters going head to head and the physicality and right. Like, the the crowd playing to it and i told people and they'd go back and watch and be like oh man what it's a man. very raw match and it's yeah. very unlike stardom at this
2: point like mm-hmm. if you saw this match in 2023 it would feel right at home just mm-hmm. the way they go at each other and it's very similar to julia maya Ukihi, um yes. in that respect but in this period it's not the norm for them and julia having just come in still you know people aren't fully convinced of her and maybe the level of attention she's getting. (laughs) I can understand why this went under the radar because it wasn't traditional stardom. It didn't tick a lot of the boxes people were looking for, but it is very much, I think a year or two before it's time. And yeah, you go back and watch it now, even if you weren't fully appreciative of it, I think with especially modern stardom lenses, it works a
1: lot better. It does. It does. And, uh, to me, it does mark what would have been the start of a long time feud between mm. these two. You know, Julia was on her way to winning the Wonder Stardom Championship at the time. I firmly believe Hanakamura was going to be the one taking that title off of her. Um, and also at the time, there was a story between, or over overall, between Tam Nakano and Arisa Oshiki. And of mm. course, that couple days ultimately resulted in Julia and Tam Nakano becoming. The lifetime rivals and main eventing the biggest show in Stardom's history. It's it's and then crazy, doing it again. It's it, this is true. It's a crazy domino effect that all of this came to be. But uh before we get into that part of it, there was a very important match on January fourth.
3: Mm. Featuring that, both of them
1: that we couldn't see. Uh <laughs> which still pains me, but it was kind of the establishment of four, and I know we ta- wrestling tosses this around like stupidness these days, but it was. And Trent has a great article about what if about this, um, about really this time. But it's Arisa Shiki and Mayu Utani going head to head with Julia and Hanakamura mm-hmm. at Wrestle Kingdom inside the Tokyo Dome, of course. Yes. A- and this is obviously a major major point this was the start of really bushy roads run in terms of bringing stardom into the mix and mm. making him feel like a more important crew and you know as time would go on they'd start to get the bigger venues and they start to grow and now we're here with the stardom we know as today and it's like you know It it almost feels like it happened in a flash, but it didn't because it's been three years since then.
2: Yeah. It's important to remember that Stardom at this time was still the day maxing out at and Hall. Now, and Hall was maxed out. Like, it was literally, you could not get a standing seat. Uh, You couldn't get a a standing seat. Wow. You couldn't get a standing ticket in the... I was going to let let it go. I I, I can't. I have to knock myself when I do stuff like that. You know, it was that full. And, like, you, you watch Stardom... Watch the Stardom shows from Korokanol during these couple of months after the Bushiroad acquisition, and it is a completely different beast. You could tell I'm moving on to bigger and better things from this. But moving into Wrestle Kingdom for the very first time, Tokyo Dome for the very first time, this is it. Feels like oh, where is Stardom going? What can it become? Mm -hmm. Now, even the most excited people during this era, I don't think were picturing what they would get to now. Like, yeah. even ignoring what happened with the pandemic, like, their growth over these next couple of years is just astronomical. But going back to tw- the start of 2020, and Hall being the max out, and they're getting this spot in Tokyo that we never get to see. Um, is just like the- that real... Even some people were he- wary of the Road era. They were worried of what it would become in terms of taking their product and changing it. Yeah. But there was a lot of excitement about... Where they could end up with this kind of opportunity and backing.
3: Yeah,
1: it, and the placement of these four wasn't a mistake. Obviously, mm. that's kind of what I was hinting at. These four were going to lead stardom into the future, and in the, they were going to lead Bushi Road era stardom. Yeah. Um, and within five months after this match, two of them were unfortunately no longer with the company, mm. and we'll get to that soon but uh one i'm still angry we never gonna see this i will never forget it because like the graphic pops up once in a while i don't know why i just see the graphic once in a while like yeah i've never uh never got to see that one it's going to be one of
2: those matches that people just forever yearn to see and it's just locked in a vault somewhere it's from what we can gather it's copyright like issues between TV Asahi because that was what stopped the first couple of Wrestle Kingdom yep. matches for Stardom being aired because it was TV Asahi doing New Japan and Samurai TV who do Stardom so there was that issues but hopefully one day they work out a way to make this available and because yeah. it's such an important match for Stardom but more importantly it's such an important match for Hana Kimura, um, mm-hmm. that I think not, not that we deserve anything, but this is a match. I think people should have the right to be able to see. Given that it has been filmed, it's just yeah. sitting there.
1: Yeah, I want to see her and Julia on the same team. I really want to see that. Uh, I know I it's only see not- her and Re- I just want to see her in the Tokyo Dome.
2: Everyone yeah. else, you know, and Arisa. I like.
1: The, I I think more importantly, with the, not even the match, but I just want to see the entrances. Mm. Yeah.
2: Well, it's it's funny because obviously we haven't seen and we can only go on secondhand information because neither of us were in the Tokyo Dome, unfortunately. I've talked to not. a couple of people who have, um, and like they do talk about how the four women come out and they don't get grand entrances. It's right. it's a dark match. It's those that awkward period where all the lights are still up and you know half the people aren't in their seats yet. It's a very they, these matches always feel a little weird. Um, yeah. All four of them come out. Hana Kimura, and this is what people have been a couple of people have said talking about this thing hanakamura feels on a different level from the other three just based on the way she carries herself projects herself as a person as a character with that aura and how we've talked about in the past of hanakamura feeling like a superstar and just having the quote-unquote it i think this match probably does showcase it better than any other if we could say it
1: I think that's the best way to kind of compare that now is how people feel about Julia, hmm. which, yeah. again, and we're gonna talk about this um, in a few minutes, kind of all the tributes and whatnot to Hana, and I keep saying it, Julia's pretty much entire career from <laughs> there on out became tributes in many ways, whether it be through matches, through hmm. looks, through feelings like i i even hear uh, hanakamura julia's theme song now and i'm like i almost feel like this was made for hanakamura in a lot of ways (laughs) it's like i could see her come out to a theme song like this Mm. um that's just a personal thing i obviously it's a newer song so that was never the case but it just feels like that um but let's get to it let's uh obviously finish up her run here her last match would come on uh march 24th fourth, twenty. 20 Cinderella first round, her and Mayu Utani, uh seven minutes fifty-six seconds. Of course, the show before that was no people gate. Uh so mm-hmm. this was of course again, right in the middle of COVID. Um, really changing the world as is and dramatically changing professional wrestling, not just the you know, obviously the whole world, but professional mm-hmm. wrestling in Japan to an extreme. Level, and we're only just—we only just got back cheering for Stardom in 2023. Yeah. This is yeah. when it, this is when that started, and I think that's just well. There's still some
2: cheering about. here. It's a very
1: awkward. Yeah, like, they don't know what to do. Show. Yeah, <laughs> right. they don't. They, they haven't
2: really worked out what the rules. They shut are down again the... right after this, right? Th- yeah, this was the last right after match. the tournament. Yeah. yeah, after this tournament, they didn't come back until June 2020 20, or 21. Um, it was it it was that kind of period um they were sort of running shows and i don't think they were they were gonna do a couple of shows and then when arisa and hannah you know left and passed away respectively they they just canceled and said oh yeah but they they basically said we're not coming back until we can come back come
1: back yeah so last match cinderella tournament julia go on to win this of course Mm -hmm. um it's obviously not a I, I I don't want to say not a memorable match but it's not a match that it's a good match it's obviously it's it's and might it's not
2: fitting of a lost ever match
1: correct and it's still surreal to think about right mm. it and um this was you know just 2 months prior to her passing um and it's hard to just think to that show and think that was the last time we'd get to see her wrestle Hmm. um in a lot of ways i think the beauty of who she was is that she didn't obviously we would have loved to see her get a last special match and you know reasons and go on of why that you know was mm-hmm. never gonna happen but it's also fitting of who she was like i almost you know she, she's not someone that she went out with a bang but you know she wrestled mayu yutani of all people in yeah. her last match in a singles match mm. right and it ended in a draw it's not you know it's not like she lost or one thing and I, I feel like that's special in a lot of ways maybe that's just me as a fan but even if it wasn't like this grand Spanking end match. It was still a tournament match where she finished it against Mayu Itani, who at the time was the World of Stardom champion. Mm. I think that's still special in its own way.
2: Yeah, well, it's like you, you know what's coming from this match—the yeah. double elimination draw. They would—they were running this back. It was going to be a bigger match. It was going to be for the title. Yep. Uh, we didn't get that, unfortunately. Uh, but you, it, it kind of shows to what would have been and what was coming. And even if we don't get that in this timeline, in this world, um, just knowing what could have been is sad, but also like Johanna yeah, was special. Like we, we we didn't even get to see the full breadth of what she was going to be capable of. And what we did get was amazing. Yeah, she was a special character
1: before she even hit her peak. Um, and that, of course, brings us to May 23rd, 2020. When uh, Hanukkah sadly passed away mm. um, and um, that day obviously still is very surreal for everyone. Um, in a lot of ways, it's not a day. Um, I, I think the beauty of May 23rd. Now it's become a celebration of Hanukkah It's mm. not right. We don't. And, and for a lot of people, it's obviously hard to not think of that day but it's a credit to what Kyoko Kamara has done and what all of Hana friends have done and what Kyoko Kamara's friends have done and Mm. what the wrestling world has done. They've made that day a special day rather than a day of sorrow, a day of sadness. And I think, you know, thinking back to that is always hard for me. Um, Just the the series of events we're not gonna get into it because we don't want to but we will bring up why it happened of course bullying on social media um she was a she was a part of the show called terrace house which was like a reality show in japan mm. um she was you know made to be a snottier character you know kind of, and this is what reality tv is right you are written a role because mm. as we knew hanokamura that wasn't her yeah um if anyone watched her in wrestling, you'd know that wasn't her character. And it's yeah. it's still surreal to me that they and they decided for that to be her character. I'm not going to get into that. Um,
2: the, the, the crazy thing I will say, though, is I remember before this all happened. Like, I'd heard of Terrace House, a, I think, a year or two prior. And I remember hearing people saying, oh, it's reality TV, but it's without the reality TV sort of smearing of, you know, control. and yeah, behind the scenes stuff. That was how it was presented at. And then with everything that came out in light of the Hanakamora stuff, it was just kind of like, wow, so just every everything's like that. There's no yeah. real reality
1: shows right. here, is there? Couldn't be a bigger lie. Yeah. Um and I think obviously we can yeah, we're not gonna get into the trial and, and the, mm-hmm. the 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 mm-hmm law side of things that's 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 for someone else that's smarter than me and i won't say smarter than trent but someone that knows what they're talking about i'm not gonna get into that stuff because I think we
2: don't a... know japanese law no nope. um, we're not
1: qualified we're not
2: lawyers in any country let alone japan no nope. uh, we, we can't properly
1: assess that kind of thing
2: we can right. have opinions right. but right. We, we can't properly assess that kind of thing
1: and I think you know this is a stardom show so to to say after that 2020 was weird it was a weird vibe mm. pretty much the rest of the year um obviously the arisa shiki retirement didn't help either which was days before um yeah. hana's passing that just that alone would have sent it into a weird vibe because right arisa was the wonder stardom champion mm. Um, and if you've ever, and you know, we did an Arisa series, which everyone should go check out, um, that, you know, we talked about how kind of a bright star she was, right? She, Mm -hmm. she lit up a room as well. So losing two people who lit up a room and were such important parts of stardom then and their future within days. In right. such tragic circumstances, too, right. like it wasn't right. a
2: case of, you know, even like Himiko is just retiring, yeah, because she wants to and she's had her yeah. fill. Right. Both we, of these are circumstances that you didn't want to come across. No. We different we had, in their own way, but just back to back during COVID, it was it was a very hard time to be a, a fan. It was very crushing.
1: I I always bring this up. Um, you know, fans didn't get to say goodbye to either of them. Mm. one way or the other right with like in i think the Jamaica re- conversation is very important because Jamaica, thankfully she retired not due to injury she retired on her choosing um she made up for the lack of retirement moments here by just having every retirement moment <laughs> possible yeah which was great and she has one more coming up uh, <laughs> but um the, the, this could have been recorded
2: anytime and that's probably true
1: yeah yeah this is very true i don't think i don't think the retirement moments are ever ending for Jamaica, and i think that's okay um and, and thinking back to them and you know how they eventually restart it's just like it's kind of surreal to me mm. just to think about because it's like there's an emptiness without hana there right we're we're talking about we we talked about her in these two episodes as someone that was the center of her attention at all times even if she didn't mean to be but at the same time had an appreciation and maturity to give attention to others and mm. within that draft right and what she was to a lot of people it's like someone like young Rena and she was a friend to many she was just everything I think that makes pro wrestling great in yeah. life great
2: yeah, it is like, you feel her absence so much in that first show. And obviously, like, they do the the um, send-off with the 10-bell salute. Um, but just, like you know something's not quite right with those first few shows and mm. obviously there's a lot of things a lot of reasons for that beyond just Hannah Kimura and Arisa Hashiki because they're trying to deal with COVID you've got yeah. the, the clap crowds and back then they're still not entirely you know there's a lack of comfort just being in the in the building because like we still didn't fully know what was going on with COVID um, but you oh, you notice the lack of Hannah there and It takes a while, I think, to really for Stardom to move beyond that. Um, I don't think they did 21.
1: I know, I know, um, that changed a lot for Stardom fans, too. A lot of people took a long time to come back to the product, some didn't come back to the product at all because it Mm. was just there was a hole there,
3: too, without Hana,
1: yeah, and yeah, and now. Like I said at the beginning of this episode we're, you know, we had to talk about sadness and but now we talk about the celebrations. The celebration mm. of life that was the many celebrations of life. There were multiple. There have been multiple throughout the years whether they were official shows or official matches that maybe we didn't expect um, and moments that we didn't expect. So of course let's look forward to the first which was of course Mont-Tenay, Um One of the greatest shows of all time. I, I am not Sugar coating that I am not lying about that. That is one of the most perfectly perfected wrestling shows you'll ever see because there was an importance there. If you if if it matters to you, it is the highest rated show on Cage Match. I I had to get Cage Match in there one way or the other, but it is the highest-rated show on Cage Match. Uh, the Hana Kimura Memorial Produce Matinee show. Um, Kyoko Kamura is the best booker in the world. Uh this was at Cork and Hall. It was aired um live around the world on Fight TV. We had English commentary from Ian Riccabani and Cheeseburger, which mm-hmm. by the way, I still applaud Ian Ricabani for what he was able to do on that. Is that is one of the great calls I've ever heard because it is one of the toughest calls. Yeah. Right? It's one year later, it's still very, very raw from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um and I applaud him and Cheeseburger and what they did and really what everyone did to make that show happen. Um, and that night is surreal because there's a lot of tears shed, obviously, from start to finish and from whether it be fans or the people in attendance or the wrestlers themselves. But there's also the magical of matches on the show specifically two right we get we get the return of Kagetsu and Hazuki mm. obviously that's like as big as it is the match was Oscar Miomono Natsupo, and Shuri uh facing Hazuki Kagetsu san and Konami that was special in its own right um and I remember, I remember watching that show, and I was just like, "Kagetsu retired? Why? <laughs> obviously, Kagetsu had the br- brutally beaten up neck, and mm. that's why they uh, he uh, obviously retired." But there was just something special um, about the matches because the matches were able to take you away from what the event was all about in a good way. In a good way, yeah, obviously, yeah. right? It was gave you a positive, chance to brave it did it did because and and obviously the battle royal did too it wasn't uh was it hirota that dressed up as hana i think so yeah of course it was uh (laughs) that shouldn't come as too much of a shock and and obviously you know that was filled with wrestlers from everywhere and i think that match really showcases how many friends hana and kyoko had right you have Mm. you have shima you have uh, Jinsei Shinzaki. You have uh, Shitaro Ushino. You have uh, Chihiro Hashimoto, Dash Chisako. You have pretty much anyone you could possibly think of. Um, and people that you've never heard before. But right. you know, they
2: still have that connection to Kyoko and Hana.
1: Exactly. Um, but to that eight-person tag, um, it is one of my favorite matches because I, I just I, I remember going back and watching that. Um, because at the time, but mind you, this was, you know, surely not point taking part was a big moment because, mm. um, th- for those who don't remember, stardom had a show that day. Yeah. Uh, that was, and I, I, I remember a lot of people being upset about that. There was actually a match on that show. Julie and my Utani went one-on-one and they paid their own tributes to Hana, mm. um, in a special way, which was very cool of them. Um, it's not a match that like you need to go out of your way to see, but they yeah. did pay their respects. Yeah. Um, and then this match, of course. Uh this this match is ultimately what brought Hazuki back to pro wrestling, mm. which um, is also special in its own way as well. Um and then and then you know we get the impromptu match after it, you know, Kigetsu had just wrestled 17 minutes 57 seconds, and then Asuka oscar Veni challenges he gets into a impromptu singles match which was also fantastic mm. and i i just i just love these two matches for the importance of them like you said to give everyone a breather but also because they're just you know great
2: yeah i mean they're great matches ignoring the the situation yes. But the situation surrounding it just makes them feel that much more special, and yeah, you know, so so many factors coming into this situation. Obviously, with Hunter's passing, Kigetsu having retired, Hazuki having retired, um, yeah, you know, all, all these Stardom wrestlers who were basically given special permission to not attend the Stardom show but come to this particular event. And I, I still remember, like after the tag match finished, I was there was a certain sadness inside of me because I didn't want it to end. Yes. not knowing that it wasn't ending, we we're just oh. getting, you know, part two on the way. And uh-huh. yeah, like this, this show is a hard watch because of the emotion surrounding it, and because it's the first year. You know, yeah. uh, in the future ones, it's a little bit easier to come approach it as kind of a happy memories. But this, mm-hmm. for many ways, was honestly kind of like a public funeral for Hunter. A lot of people, this was their chance to finally grieve and get out what they needed to get out from what had happened a year, a year on. Um, and this show was necessary for that so that future shows could come up and And future shows still have that sadness and those bitter memories. But you can look at it more as a celebration for Hannah's life and what Hannah meant to wrestling. Um, this was more of our chance to kind of, yeah, process it finally.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um... And, of course, after these matches, there was the unbelievably fantastically done video of everyone saying Matane to Hanakamaru. You had everyone, like, like Kenny Omega, Keiji Muto. Um, I'm not going to name everyone, but <laughs> you get the point. You had everyone. You had those two ev- people. That was it. No, you had you had everyone from around the world in professional wrestling. Yeah. Saying goodbye in the right best way. Um, I remember not I was, saying
2: goodbye, saying matinee. Matine, sorry,
1: sorry, sorry. Um, but paying their respects mm, and yes. saying matinee. And I, I remember being all choked up, and then we got to the Kyoko one, and I was done. I was done. Yeah, I, I was gone. I was like, all right, all right, end the show. I, I, I can't do this anymore because, like you said, the, those matches had um almost made you like oh take me out of it for a second like take Mm -hmm. me out of the emotion in part and then and then they play that video it's like oh this is (sighs) okay Mm -hmm. all right i got this um and saying matinee which again was such a beautiful it was a beautiful end to the first initial celebration of life like you said it was a public it was a way for people to finally get to say goodbye Mm -hmm. yeah or matinee of course but for fans it was a way to just you know have something mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. after a year they got to have something yeah. that's the most important part you know we were talking about how you know these wrestlers need to retire and yeah. um, and this was that special of a show for a reason
2: it's it's incredibly meaningful, and it's something that you can still go back and watch with those emotions kind of coming back up and mem- sort of remembering. And I, I, as I, as we've sort of said, I think it's easy to go back and remember the good times now, but it wouldn't have been possible without this show. Um, yeah, I, for for me personally, I needed that show um, because of the feelings I was still processing a year on. And yeah, obviously we're recording this three years on; it's it's still difficult. Um, but it is a little bit easy to remember the good stuff without being overwhelmed by the sadness,
1: yeah. Um, I guess we'll kind of move to the next tribute. Um, there's a lot of them, obviously, and I'm mm. gonna miss some, but everyone can talk about their own. But I'm, I'm talking about more stardom ones because obviously this is a stardom podcast. Um, but uh, 2021, end of 2021, um, Konami's going away. Mm. Of course, and this is the first Stardom Dream Queendom. Konami's taking a hiatus, of course, we see Konami all the time now, so it's like, hey, I want... whatever. But, um, and but Julie did this hiatus, yes. And Julie is coming back from injury, mm-hmm. and you know, on paper, it's like, oh, that's cool, cool, single, special singles match. i have like, oh, yeah, this this should be good, you know, obviously, one coming, one going, yeah, why not? Sure, makes sense. Uh, I remember, I remember when they announced it's like. I don't know. It's kind of at the time I was like weird, but I get it. Like you said, one coming, one going. And then Konami shows up in the Tokyo Cyber Squad gear, and I feel like I heard everyone around the world go, "Oh my god!" Because hmm. I, I just remember like I was in shock. I think everyone was in shock. It was less like that special moment of like oh, this is this this isn't this is even going to be about either of these two yeah. so for
2: context here i think it is important to mention konami was currently in a reto tie yes. had a very you know when i say very different look the the color scheme was opposite it was black and purple as opposed yeah. to the white and colorful so yes. this this was a very much a like, oh uh, you know not just beyond like oh it's you know older gear like it is it kind of shows that from this yeah. moment she's this is completely different to what we were getting from
1: here. Yeah. And then Julia comes out with the braided look. Mm-hmm. This is the first time she has the braided look. She has the special uh, flag for Konami signed by the entire roster, which obviously is an emotional moment as is. Yeah. Right? Um, and the match goes on. This This is undoubtedly one of my favorite matches ever. It's not a perfect match by any means. It's not like an all-time in-ring classic by any means it's, it's a really good match but yeah. at the same time you know that konami's dealing with she, what she was dealing with help wise mm. so you yeah. know she she has her difficulties towards the end but they did their best to pay their respects to hanukkah in this match and every bit of it felt surreal every bit of it felt special mm. it's it's perfect without being like perfect if that makes sense they did yeah. such a great job at doing honestly that is no kind unexpected. of hard,
2: perfect without being quote unquote perfect.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They uh that that's one of my very it's like very special to me. I hmm. watched that back um sometime last year and I think that's really where Julia also kind of transformed in a lot of ways. That that's when she had reestablished herself as who Julia was moving forward. Yeah. But at the same time I think from there on out you just felt so much of the hana connection every step of the way Mm. um konami of course would go on to join god's eye and stuff like that but now it it was a way for konami to move on from tokyo cyber squad right because at the end of the day they had a business is business you have to end tokyo cyber squad in a wrestling kayfabe way but this was her official way to say so long to the group and what Mm. it was right unfortunately you know jungle at the time jungle couldn't wrestle jungle was hurt right um and we you know jungles unfortunately having surgery again but it was a moment for konami and i think that's what makes it so special as well
2: yeah a jungle thankfully she kind of got obviously she's not quote-unquote retired yet but she kind of got her own chance Mm -hmm. with the second uh the bargus show yeah that was her exhibition unofficial return to the ring yep. um, which is especially important in hindsight because she doesn't even get to wrestle in the third event um, she really like she wasn't 100 she's never been 100 percent since the injuries but like it she probably shouldn't have been wrestling at Vargas um, but it meant that much to her to get into the ring and knowing she can't get into the ring for the third one uh, it just means that much more but yeah she, she had that moment konami got the sort of this special moment for her kind of the double whammy of saying Martine to hana and saying Martine to the stardom audience yes
1: yeah, so let's um obviously you you gave a good lead in so let's talk about it we had the second hanakamura memorial show bagas uh this was on 23rd in 2022 this was more of a wrestling show there's a lot of matches on the show um it was it was pretty much a card and then this is really celebration of life celebration of life like this and that's what it is yearly from now on uh this upcoming year is called pinks we'll actually talk about that in our final um episode as well because we'll both of course be watching that and Mm -hmm. thankfully is again televised around the world we actually have a full card for that stuff already should be a fun night um but this show again had a very special feel to it. Um, Cano wrestled on the show, I think that's yes. always fun to talk about. He opened up the show, um, which is entertaining to me. Um, wrestled against uh, Menso Ray, who's I believe in all Japan. Um, for those, and then there was a tag team battle royal won by Chirashimono Mike Iwata. Wada, obviously, key part of Hana's career, as we'll mm-hmm. talk about next week. Our next episode with the Sendai Girls chapter of her career, and then Jungle kiyono Jungle kiyono was going to have a match on this show, she wasn't yes. 100% cleared, uh, but she was going to have a match. No one knew what the match was going to be. She was going to pick her opponent on the show, and of course, she picks Kyoko Kamara. I was like, Oh my god, here we go again, damn it, Jungle. Um, and Kyoko Kamara, not I don't know if she knew or not. I'm gonna act, act like forever she had no clue, because she gets in there, you know, with her T-shirt on, and she's like, "All right, let me go, you know, put my boots on and call it a day." And they just had such a special match, such a special 11 minutes and 23 seconds. You got you got to see a little bit of uh, old vintage Col- uh, Kyoko, which was just so cool. Yes. Um, and obviously, Jungle gets the win in the end, and it was nice to see Jungle back in the mm. ring and get this moment because like you said she didn't get to have that moment the year prior she was there but she didn't get yeah. to have the uh, in-ring moment
2: yeah her, her in-ring moment in the first year was basically coming in to do the yes sir pose with konami before getting chucked back out of the ring because she apparently forgot that it was konami who yeah. you know broke up take her squad with a steel chair over her head um this was a very special match and look, i'm biased obviously with Jungle Kiona, but. It's not just me. This is a very special match. And I think, like, the crazy thing is, like, obviously Jungle is heavily hampered in this match because of her injuries and the time that she's coming back. Kyoko, like, okay, she's slowed down a little bit, but she'd been gone for, what, five years at this point? You wouldn't have known it, no. Like, the way she wrestled. Like, she she must have been in the gym daily with you, with <laughs> you know, getting ready and stuff because, yeah, she looked at home in this ring. Um such a special moment. I Kagetsu obviously at this point has fully transitioned to Yuishino who basically has to fill at this point because Kyoko's like I gotta go put my boots on, get yep. ready, and use there. like I like, I I think Kyoko definitely knew. I'm not sure you might have known about this. No having to kind of fill in the gaps here and um yeah, like, especially cause you was there last year. Um, this is such a great little, yeah. I guess a 20 25 minute span of time, yeah. including the match and then the theatrics beforehand. Um, just a very special moment between three people who meant so much to Hannah. Hannah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, very, it was a job well done all around, mm. just such an accomplishment. Mind you, I, I forgot to add this, but Kyrie was also on commentary for this show. Um, Kyrie, who obviously returned to wrestling last uh, year, returned to stardom. um mm. She got to take part in the show, which I think is very cool. um Kyrie takes part in all these shows, now, huh? She, you know, she took part in that Nomads Jungle show. She's ringside for her.
2: Yeah, when pretty she's cool. popping up at Shinjuku
1: Face, you can never be sure when Kyrie's going to show up. It's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool. She's taking part in the uh, Kenta Kobashi show, facing mm. Unagi stuff like that. So she's having a little fun now. Um, and then, you know, we had Sakura Hirota dresses as Hanakamura once again. The, the funny thing is like, I remember when she first did the Hanukkah thing and I was like, all right, she got me. I, I chuckled and then yeah. she did it again here. And I was like, how did how does she do this? How does she make me laugh? You know, she's dressing as the person we're celebrating here. Right. Mm. And it's almost like fun. And, you know, she's, she, Azra <laughs> <Asha> Kong <laughs> goes down to the ring and beats the poor woman twice um and then it's like all right all right we'll move on and you know nope hanukkah is like uh, (laughs) fake hanukkah Sakura secure haroda um she's oh we'll do one more match and then rena shows up and i was like (laughs) this was one of the most special moments that Mm. either any of these shows yeah uh had and i i remember multiple because some people didn't watch it live because obviously it was late um or earlier, or whatever time zone they may be in. Um, but they were like, I got multiple messages. Like, oh my God, Rena showed up. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> she sure did. She was um, the biggest
2: uh, missing person from the first year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's it's very special that she gets to be on these shows moving forward. She's, of course, set for pink. She will be competing. She's one of the stardom wrestlers heading there. Um, but it was just so cool to see her. Mm on the show because you know i i talked about how julia embodied a lot of what hana has and she carries hana with her all the time now just the way she's changed her style and stuff but rena's the if there was a second coming of hana it's going to be rena it, it's you, the true embodiment yeah yeah and, and it, it
2: all goes back to that draft
1: yep i'll go back to that draft as a star of it um you know, I'm sure Rena will become a big, big star. I think we all agree upon that down the road. She's still so young that it's like,
3: I'm
1: not going to worry about it anytime soon because she's. It's unfair
2: you know, to put that pressure on her, but yeah. like with stardom wrestle well, Joshi in general, once yeah. once you've hit teenagehood, we're expecting certain levels. I mean,
1: this is the girl there. that says, Who cares about school? I'm going to wrestle. <laughs> it's
2: like, All right. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah but, uh, but her passions
1: were laid very clear when Hina went to study and Rena was like, I'm staying here. Yeah. She's like, I'm not going to. Um, and then of course after all that, after the emotional stuff, they did what they did the year before. They said, Ah, right, we have a great match for all of you to watch. And that was Shuri versus Asuka. I don't need to tell you that that was great. <laughs> that was, yeah, was you just look match. at the people, you know it's gonna be great. This is this is Shuri, by the way, in the midst of her mm. super duper run, obviously, right? Five-star world starting champion. She's currently world of starting champion. I think that was one of my favorite parts of this is that the world of stardom champion was on the show this year. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool. And obviously overall, um, it was just a great, great show. It's great. Second year show. And kind of gave us what the format will be moving forward mm. as we, uh, you yep. know build with these Hanukkah shows and they'll all be live on fight mind you. So, yep. um, and Never. the
2: special thing about pinks is there's going to be cheering, which we didn't get the
1: first two years. Yes. There'll be a, it'll be a whole different feel once again, mm. right? It'll be, yeah. um, you feel you can also always donate. Remember, hana.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to, uh, pay your specs to Kyoko and, you know, show some love for Hana. Uh, they, they, there were some matches announced. I you know Konami's on the show um let me let me let me find the card um even though it won't matter after like two seconds but i want to talk about the card anyways this is, this is our show right uh but i'll let you talk a little bit about hanukkah Mora as i do what i'm doing
2: yeah it's i mean obviously like we've talked about you know pretty much her entire career we've got next fortnight to look forward to with the matches that we're going to be studying but uh, just looking at everything that she's sort of you know grown through it's just so special to think, like, where she came from, this excitable little kid, you know, who didn't really want to wrestle at first and kind of, you know, her family heritage lent her into going this way and seeing just how quickly she took it on and, you know, the years of just being around wrestling, instantly influencing her and allowing her to become what was a superstar. Like, everyone talks about, like, stardom now being at the forefront of women's wrestling. Hana, for many people, was that person that was going to break the barrier. Not just for Joshi wrestling in America, not just Joshi wrestling in Japan, but just wrestling. Like, what she was going to be capable of doing, and Ori had shown signs, whether it was at the Ring of Honor shows or what she was seeing from her through stardom, um, her appearance at Tokyo Dome. Like, there was something there that was going to just change the wrestling
1: landscape. Yes. Um, before I before I get into some more Hanakamura thoughts to close this out uh, The card is, features another Battle Royal um, More Sakura Hirota As Hanakamura versus X so we'll have some more Fun surprises uh, We also have a four way tag um, Featuring uh, Ryo Mizunami and Sunoko Kato, Yuko Miyamoto And Ram Kaichou, Koji Kanamoto And X, uh, Maseo Haban Take and Shitaro Shino that obviously will change. Uh, Shitaroshino actually got hurt unfortunately recently, so he'll be switched out. But we also have Sayori Anu versus Miyuki Takase. Mm. think, think no one will complain about that one. Uh, Miki Iwata and Mio Momono versus Aja Kong and X. And uh, there's no official main event, but um, if the if I was a like, guessing person this might be your main event. It'll be Kaori Oniyama, Konami and Rina, teaming up against Shuri, Natsupoi and Oscar Veni. So, it yeah. should be a great show once again this year. That that, that
2: feels cool. like the main event unless there's another surprise kind of. Right. Situation. It
1: depends with Aja Kong, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is obviously possibly, but I'm sure that'll be the main event. Oscar's been in all the main events so far. Mm. I think that's kind of the key to follow. Um but yeah, as we wrap up this episode, I knew this would be our longest episode by far. Um, but as we as we sit here, we have one more episode left. Obviously, we'll talk about the legacy of Hanakamura. And I think Trent really kind of gave a good way of looking into what we'll be doing. But you know, despite this episode having the obvious emotions to it, um it's it's still wonderful to look back at what she was able to accomplish despite you know her career not going as long as it should have and i think you hit it on the head right she didn't want to do wrestling but wrestling was exactly what she was supposed to do right because it was her way to touch so many lives in so many different ways um she has left an incredible mark on the wrestling world and before you know, i don't want to spoil the whole legacy thing and stuff like that but uh she'll be a forever bright light that will never go out that is okay. that is the excitement of hanakamura that is the wonderfulness of hanakamura and with that that is the five that is the oh, wrong wrong show Ah, see that i'm looking at one thing saying another this is this was stardom road of course uh hanakamura part two uh you know hope, hopefully you all enjoy hopefully uh, we were able to give you some smiles. Uh we we did our best to, you know, we we you know talk about the sad parts. Um I was on the brink of tears here. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, folks. I think you could probably hear that in me. Um, I think I'm proud of this. I'm always proud of I'm I try to be proud of all my content, but anytime I get to do things about Hanukomora, those that's my proudest content. And uh thank you, Trent, of course, for doing this with me. As always, um, we have one more episode of this, but it's, that's going to be all happy, and you know, we're going to be talking about the, her wrestling matches, and there'll be a lot of excitement. Um, but thank you, as always, for jumping on these with me. And, you know, this these especially, obviously, you know, you and me host this show, but I don't think anyone is ever ready to talk. You know what we talked about today, but mm. I appreciate you being able to do that with me.
2: Well, whenever I get on to do a Hana Kimura podcast, and there's been a few I've done for different groups, I never know, like, am I going to make it through one minute without bursting into tears? Am I going to make it through the whole show without bursting into tears? It's always a bit of a crapshoot because of, yeah, no matter how much of the positive you talk about her, there's always that little niggling feeling of what happened. Um, But, yeah, regardless of how difficult it might be at certain times, the value of continuing to talk about Hana and continuing to remind people of her legacy or introduce people to her legacy because the further from Hunter's stardom career we go, the more chance someone may not understand fully, may not really know what what made Hana Kimura so special. So all these little bits and pieces, if it gets people who weren't aware investigating and watching matches and asking more questions then yeah there's there's value in that if nothing else
1: yeah um so we wrap it up here we'll be back with part three um if you're listening to this deep into the future make sure to listen to part three we talk about uh we're talking about four matches important to our career but some of our favorites as well um you know maybe we'll change it by then but uh one of one of the key matches is the match with Kigetsu. I think I'll I'll at least I'll at least say that one. And the one with Julia. Those are two of the key matches. We'll also we'll also hit one match prior to her time in stardom or prior to ooh, or just highlighting her time with Sunday Girls specifically. Yeah. But, uh, listen, I'm tired. This has been two hours. It's uh, admittedly it's like two a.m. for me recording this, so leave me alone. Uh but it will be against Mikey Wada from Sunday girls one of her maybe probably her most popular match outside of stardom so yes uh, be a lot of fun uh so until then for trent i'm scott this was the stardom road podcast here in the count out network till next time see ya Ring Post Radio is the only show hosted by Ryan 19 and Scotty Edwards that talks about the entire world of professional wrestling. With new episodes coming out every Sunday, there is absolutely no reason to not listen to real, honest wrestling opinions from two crazy maniacs. Have a hot boy summer and listen along to Ringpost Radio every Sunday on the Countout Network. This
3: has been a Countout Podcast.